They love the city of Manhattan. They wanted to make a podcast about the movie Manhattan. No, this is this is too preachy. We don't like it. There were two guys, and they were doing a podcast. And Manhattan was the number one movie in the box office in the year 1979. No, too factual. It's time for box office time machine. Manhattan edition. Two two fireworks. <laughs> Welcome to your apartment where we record this show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I rarely get welcomed into my apartment and it's nice. That's the problem of living without a uh, doorman. Yeah, that's probably like the only problem. They they should have a service that like uh, you can hire doormen to work at your shitty cheap uh, New York apartment. Oh, Not boy. yours, but like a person's. <laughs> your apartment's much nicer than mine. But like, yeah, hire a doorman who just stands outside your, you know, crappy Bushwick loft and, and just kind of opens a door for you and nods. <laughs> well, that would be a doorman. Like what would be? Yeah, I guess at a certain point that? that's just a doorman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was, this is unrelated. I guess this is a Manhattan story, mm -hmm. but, uh, I was, uh, I, I was taking photos, uh, and I was gonna take a photo of the Dakota, mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to take a photo of the detail of the gate. And, uh, I, uh, so I go there to the building. I don't want to enter the Dakota. I just want to be close <laughs> to the gate. And there is a sign that's in the middle of the street that says, like, no one beyond this point closer to the gate. And there are two doormen before the Dakota. And they're like, no, you cannot take pictures beyond, like, this point. You can stand at where, like, the sign is and, like, point your camera. But that's it. And is that that's where John Lennon was shot? Yeah. And that's where Rosemary's Baby was shot. Oh. Which is, Different was, versions <laughs> of shot. Yeah. Uh, and so... Yeah, it was just, like, very frustrating, and I was like, you're just a key. Like, you're literally, like, what is your job? I was just, like, so angry at that guy. Like, not, like, I didn't say anything. It was just all in my head, like, this very... Um, wow, we have and also, viciously like, alienated all our, our doorman listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you're one of the good ones, doorman, who <laughs> oh, listen. God. Uh, no, um, yeah, it was just, like, very weird. I feel like some people really do like get like something out of just like being very very 
like strict to their mm. like job description because i feel like if that guy let me literally for a minute to get beyond that line that's like all i needed but maybe is that do you think that's the only lesson they learned from the john lennon shooting <laughs> <laughs> don't let people be on this line yeah hey know. as long as you don't get shot on our property <laughs> exactly it's uh, all about the liability well let's stop alienating doorman listeners and instead move on to something everyone loves talking about 42-year-old men fucking children. And Woody Allen. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We went straight from a movie everyone wanted to talk about, (laughs) Avengers Endgame, to a movie everyone would prefer to pretend it never happened, 1979's Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, I don't know if we said the name of the show yet. Well, you sang it in the opening credits, yeah. which you do live every episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is Box Office Time Machine, uh, the show where we listen to the, where we watch and discuss the number one movie at the box office every other weekend. And on the off weeks, watch the number one movie at the box office from some weekend in the past. Mm-hmm. This time we're going back to 1979 to watch Manhattan. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising that it was number one. Well, he was huge. I mean, he was huge, but just the idea of like a movie for adults being number one in sort of the summer is kind of impressive. That's true. Yes. Ignore uh, uh, ignore the, you know, every every other element of the uh, Woody Allen career. Uh, if a movie came out and was number one ne- next weekend and was just a kind of plotless examination of uh, wealthy yuppies uh, cheating on their spouses, I would yeah. be very surprised. Unless, you know, one of those wealthy yuppies was fucking Iron Man or something. <laughs> yeah, what if they made Manhattan but with, like, just, like, the Avengers? This is... <laughs> it's this all is about one the of Avengers on we. This is one of our only non-superhero episodes we get to do on this show. But we I still do... have to talk about the Avengers. <laughs> when when the Marvel movies were like first getting going, that's what I wanted. I wanted them to do each movie was like in a completely different genre, but in this world. And I that was, would have been fun. I would have loved to see the fucking uh, the Marvel romantic comedy. Well, John, hop into the time machine and make it happen. I will. I will go back in time. Um... But how, how far yeah. do you need to go? But I then guess. remember, you are not going back into that time. You're going back into another time strand where no. you're actually okay. As, so. as time travelers, <laughs> we want to say that Avengers Endgame puts forth dangerous misconceptions about time travel. Yes, it's it's uh, to the detriment of the time travelees. Yes. Anyway. So Manhattan by Woody Allen, 1979. Do you want to do thumbs up, thumbs down now or wait oh, until we God. do well, the synopsis? Oh, God, that's such a, a difficult question. I mean, okay, so I was um, uh, one of my favorite movie podcasts, uh, 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 Next Picture Show mm-hmm. by the, the former Dissolve editors. Oh, just rest did, in peace. Yeah, just did an episode about Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Chinatown, obviously, one of the well regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time, um, directed by uh, Roman Polanski shortly before he fled the country. One of the most regarded <laughs> fugitives of all time. Shortly before he fled the country after sodomizing a teenager. Um, uh, and in that case, they're very able to, like, they go on and on about how kind of difficult watching uh, the movie is now, but it's still great. And 
you know, you can think of it not as a Roman Polanski movie. You can think of it as a Robert Town movie, the screenwriter. Also, aside from the twist at the end, there's very little connection between uh, the things Robert, uh, 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 the things Polanski is accused of and the plot of the movie. So you can kind of not think about it. Um, Manhattan is not that. <laughs> For sure. Manhattan is obviously written, directed, and stars Woody Allen and is a movie about the Woody Allen character being in a relationship with a teenager. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, he was like, almost foresaw like our problems with like separating art from the artist and wanted <laughs> to make it as difficult as possible. Yeah, it's, and honestly, um, so, okay, what is, uh, what is your history with this movie? Uh, so I love this movie. Mm. I, I gotta say, it's one of my favorite Woody Allen movies. Uh, yeah, a key sort of plot. I think, I guess we will talk about when we get to it, but I think in a weird way that plot works within the movie. It's just the fact that the reality of what sort of has transpired in the real life of Woody Allen mm -hmm. makes it like more unfortunate. I don't think like as a plot point necessarily, like having your character be in a relationship with a young girl is like, you know, wrong as long as it sort of like is addressed properly or I guess like in a way that makes sense which I feel like this movie did do but um yeah so but I mean yeah there's definitely like an ick factor with like everything that we know about Woody mm -hmm. Allen uh but yeah it's very yeah it's hard for me to let go of the Woody Allen movies that are really like and yeah. I think like this movie is so so good it just like in terms of just like visually it's just like such a gorgeous movie to look at oh and we it's, can just yeah. start the cinematography the black and yeah. white cinematography is yeah incredible. it's amazing the, like the dp uh let me find out but uh yeah it's uh it's just it looks so gorgeous like i don't know oh a gordon willis is the cinematographer and it's just i think it's like it has like one of the best openings of any movie of ever oh yeah seen. i it's was watching like, it it's it's raiders <laughs> of the lost ark level good opening to a movie yeah and i mean it might just be because like we live in the city and like i think it's just there is like more like I feel like the more you relate to like Manhattan in particular, mm -hmm. but like New York City, I think the more you would sort of, I think, gravitate towards this movie. So, I, I mean, yeah, I guess like I, I sort of can in my mind like remove the sort of the Woody Allen troubles from my head whenever mm -hmm. I watch this. Uh, but yeah, so I guess I don't know where I was going with it. I like this movie. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's, it's safe to say we both uh, uh, grew up as large Woody Allen fans. Yeah, I would say as um, to, to give an idea, like for the way a lot of people were thinking about, uh, uh, we're dealing with Michael Jackson. Like I think Woody Allen would be closer to my Michael Jackson. Right, and I think also. I mean, this is my fear, and I don't want us to, like, do the whole podcast about, like, Woody Allen, like, mm -hmm. accusations and stuff. But I feel like it's also harder because, like, it seems like it's really not as clear cut as the other ones. Like, it seemed like there was accusations and then there were actually investigations and then, like, he was sort of acquitted. But then, like, his kind other of. life... Like, I think, like, still, like, just the, like, 
the stuff that did actually happen that we all agree on, like him, like with like the Sunni stuff, that's icky on its own. Like even without the other stuff, uh, yeah. yeah, it's L- like it's it's like it's very uh, yeah. At the, I, at the end of the day. <laughs> but I mean, I yeah. Would I, do I defend anything that he has done? No. At the end of the day, this is a guy. Okay, wh- whatever you want to say about um, you can relitigate these these investigations that didn't happen in. I, I'm not an expert. <laughs> yeah. That didn't happen in the best of circumstances. They happened in the heat of uh, ugly divorce proceedings. There's claims that um, they didn't acquit him as much as they said. All that stuff. Right. Put the, if you just want to say that's all muddy, at the end of the day, this is still a guy who wrote a movie in which his character uh, is in a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old. Um, you think learns to move to go back to a woman more his age, and then the movie goes, you know what? He really should have kept fucking that child. <laughs> and every other character, and he even has a, a grown woman, the character Emily, go... Yeah, I really liked her. You should go back to fucking that child. This is a movie that exists in a world where everyone's like, where it's not like, hey, you shouldn't fuck children. It's like, you should fuck children. But, you know, they're not marriage material. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So do you want to go through the mov- the plot and then we can sort of like discuss things as we yeah. go? Or- but so I... The last time I'd seen this movie, I was the age of the Mariel Hemingway character. Oh. So it didn't seem as, as like, gross to me then. I, uh, you know, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters was my favorite Woody Allen movie mm. when I was young. But yeah, it's, I, uh, let's, yeah, let's go into it. All right. Yeah. Um, Manhattan. Do, 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 We're going to do your Gershwin impression again. I love it. Every time I think about this movie, that melody comes yeah. to my head. It's it is. insane. Probably also the high point of the movie. Uh, but yeah, it and it's a pretty fucking high high. The yeah. opening, uh, in case you haven't seen it, is a montage of beautifully shot black and white um, uh, black and white footage uh, throughout Manhattan from up in this up in the skyscrapers to down on the street level, construction workers, uh, baseball games, fireworks, all perfectly set to uh, beautiful Gershwin music and Woody Allen rambling. Uh, his character Isaac trying to write a book, um, and we learn a lot about Isaac um, through. A, he goes through all his different potential openings to the book, and then I believe settles on the one in which the character that is clearly an Isaac stand-in is described as some kind of like sexual panther type, <laughs> something or other. And let's say this is my my big question as we go through this movie: What does the movie and therefore Woody Allen feel about Isaac? This would seem to be a point in the in the ledger of Isaac is a buffoon. Right. But we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Isaac's writing a book. We then cut to a dinner where mm-hmm. Isaac is having uh, uh, intellectual conversation, equal parts dated and pretentious to modern audiences <laughs> um, uh, with uh, his friends Emily and Yale, uh, another uh, married couple, as well as his 17-year-old girlfriend, uh, Tracy. Yes. Um, Isaac is a 42-year-old TV writer who writes for some kind of SNL stand-in. We get the feeling that Woody Allen, the writer-director, does not like SNL. Well, so he himself, I believe, used to write for... Sid Caesar. Yeah, Sid Caesar. 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 So uh, I think it's probably... Or as I say, Sid Caesar, because I can't talk. Sid Caesar. Did you 
get a seizure just now, Chad? <laughs> That's when you laugh so hard. It's actually a very serious No, it's actually a, yeah. It affects over one person a year. Uh, <laughs> all right, go ahead. Um, he writes for, for a show. Uh, other people seem to like it. He does not. Um, after the dinner, uh, Yale explains that he is actually cheating on his wife. Um, this is also, uh, the sexual mores of this movie, the characters' affairs don't seem to be that bad, um, just kind of indelicate. Um, well, it seems like, uh, and I took this more of just, like, I mean, maybe this is a very, like, 2019 way of looking at it, of just, like, that conversation between Yale and, uh, and Isaac, and, like, Basically, every conversation involving Yale where he talks about, like, his, like, love life or whatever mm -hmm. seems, like, very much sort of, like, a satire to me or a send-up of, like, the nice guy trope. Because Yale is, like, working so hard to make himself seem like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm such a nice guy. Like, I'm, like, this is, like, this is, I'm, I'm struggling so hard with this, like, juggling of these two women and lying to them. Yeah, the language is kind of like, um, you know, I met this girl and things have gotten out of hand. And I, yeah. I just, you know, I never... I'd never leave Emily. It's just, ah, you know. Uh, Yale is definitely, uh, whether, whatever the movie thinks about Isaac, Yale is definitely presented as a real kind of piece of shit. Right. I don't, yeah, I guess my point is that, like, I don't think that the movie, like, endorse it, endorses what Yale is doing. It's more of just, like, it's, that's, like, his character in the movie is mostly just, like, making fun of him. Oh, there is, oh, fuck, there's language at the end of the movie where uh, Isaac's talking about the book he's writing, and it clearly seems to be a description of the movie we just watched. Right. Um, and he says something about, like, a bunch of uh, New Yorker... New not that accent. That's not the Woody Allen. <laughs> hey, I'm Woody Allen. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here in hey. the Upper East Side. Annie Hall, we're afraid of lobsters <laughs> over here. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Could that... <laughs> That's a character. Someone should do it. Uh, other alternative New Yorker. Woody Allen. That would be so funny. All right. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, so uh, he is having an affair with a woman named Mary. We then meet Mary as Isaac and Tracy go to a uh, art, uh, an art gallery. Wait, where are they? Are they at? Um... Uh, that I believe that one. Is that the one at the MoMA? If I think it is them at the MoMA, I might be wrong. They go at some point. If you think it's obnoxious to listen to us try to guess what art galleries these characters are at, to show to each other and to the listeners that we go to art galleries occasionally, <sighs> imagine that times a thousand. And that's every conversation in this movie. Um, I mean, yeah, it's... But again, I feel like this is just like... I, I like this is not like a sincere like I don't I think like he is again making fun of those people but like, that is I like my one of my favorite lines is someone is like did you guys read this devastating op-ed in oh, the yeah. New York Times it was just like this can't be serious like uh, it, which is about uh, which is about Nazis people. yeah it There's... was just like the fact that like someone said like a devastating op-ed op <laughs> I, I think it's a devastating satirical piece oh okay that's what it was but even even so yes like clearly like I think yes clearly Woody Allen the writer doesn't like he doesn't like people that have pretentious converse, intellectual conversations if they're wrong 
Right. I think, yeah, I think that's very much like, uh, you know, like the famous like Annie Hall, like Marshall McLuhan scene mm-hmm. of just like, yeah, this guy is just like doesn't know what he's talking about. But whereas like whenever Woody Allen brings up like Bergman, like, you know, he's supposed to oh, be yeah. very smart. Woody Allen's opinions, because that's the thing, <laughs> like, that's why it's so you cannot separate the art from the artist. Oh, for sure. Woody yeah. Allen makes his personal preferences so clear and they are just delivered as fact in the world of these movies. In one of the opening scenes where he's describing New York, he says like uh, in one of his versions, of the opening, the negative version, he says like what something like why should he even care about this movie about this city it's filled with crime and loud music which is such a specific phrase loud oh yeah with a youth uh uh oh no i think he's talking about tracy your generation is so confused by drugs and loud music <laughs> it's like loud music because i mean this is you know it's very clear that this you know is a- all those boom box they set up <laughs> in the upper east side <laughs> This is definitely a guy uh, uh, who, if you don't listen to his specific favorite genre of jazz, you are an intellectual inferior. And unless you are look like Diane Keaton, you are worthless. Um, but, <laughs> or a 17-year-old girl. Or more, more importantly, <laughs> a 17-year-old girl. Um, but anyway, so they meet Mary. Mary is from Philadelphia, as yeah. she likes to mention in every conversation in a way that never makes sense. This is a fa- <laughs> fairly funny running joke. <laughs> um, uh, she is from Philadelphia and she appears to be the opposite of Isaac in many ways. They have complete opposite tastes in art and he walks away from that hating this woman, but he can't stop talking about her mm-hmm. to much the frustration of Tracy, who just wants to fool around and <laughs> make love. And yeah. <laughs> you know what? There's a part of me that's like, dude, you want to make movies about fucking teenagers? Fine. Just please stop having people say making love. It's And there's even, I mean, I know this is kind of like a thing now that people make fun of Woody Allen characters because they always call sex making love no right. matter what. It'd be like, it'd be like, hey, I went to a, a rest stop and made love to a hooker. Um, there's even a scene where one of the pseudo intellectuals, a film director, says screwing. Yeah. And Isaac even goes, screwing, and raises his eyebrows as if we, the audience, should be like Woody Allen and go, who talks like that? It's yeah. making love. I gotta say, like, to be honest, for me, I find Woody Allen so unsexy in, like, <laughs> in... Like, in any variant. So, for me, like, always, like, the weakest parts of his movies is whenever... He is like either before or after like making love <laughs> with like what a, a woman of whatever age, like the age of the woman doesn't matter. It's just like Woody Allen is so like, yeah, he's sort of like the opposite of like sexy, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that was like anytime he's like sort of like uh, trying to like whisper things into like his girl's ear or whatever, it's just like, I, I can't, this is not attractive to me. I feel like even if this was a grown woman, this was, this is, there was, there's a scene like farther in where he and Diane Keaton hang out at the planetarium mm-hmm. that turns kind of asmr uh, uh, where they sort of like whisper to each other like this and they're like what do you like and I like this uh, anyway and I was like this is very off-putting to me <laughs> it's, that is one of the that's supposed to be one of the most romantic scenes in the movie I, it's a nice scene I just like 
I just, I don't, like, I feel like my brain, whenever this happens, my brain is sort of faced with, like, two, like, very contradictory thoughts of just, like, this is supposed to be sexy, but also this is Woody Allen, and it can't, like, mash them together. Yeah, I mean, there's a, way, there's a scene where he says, like, I've never had a problem meeting women. Yeah. And I, like, watching it, you want to be like, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> How is that possible? Yeah, I think... But I guess, like, I mean, Woody Allen, the man... And I guess we should assume Isaac, similarly, uh, was successful from a very young age. Um, I think he was probably like, I don't know, six when he became a writer for the Sid Caesar show. <laughs> Something like that. Something well, absurd. I think he was like 17. Well, yeah, uh, I think he like dropped age. out of college to like do that. But I think he probably started even earlier. And I mean, he was dating Dan Keaton at the time yeah. that this was made, right? And then like Mia Farrow and like, you know. I mean, Woody Fallon. Woody Fallon. Woody Fallon. Oh, that's another character. That's my Jimmy Fallon, Woody Allen mashup. Oh, guys, Lorne, get me that SNL audition. I've got four variations of Woody Allen to do. Um, uh, but, oh, boy. But uh, there's a weird thing. Like, I think in both the best art and the worst art, you get they're similar in that you get such an incredible look into the mindset and preferences and beliefs of the artists that are making it. Right. It's like both in the, the greatest art of all time is so good at explaining the way the artist feels about the world. And then if you took like a college intro to creative writing class, you like, um, I remember like some frat bro would, you know, write some story about like, uh, his date with some Lindsay Lohan. Uh, this is a real story that was in a creative writing class I took. You know how you go to a writing class, but like and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that, and you get and you read the story, and you're like, well, I know a lot about what this writer looks for in a woman. Right. That's um, true. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So there's so much like you. It's impossible not to feel feel the wood in every <laughs> single part of this movie. Right. Um, from its feelings about art and feelings about uh, uh, children, which we get long scenes of uh, Woody Allen in bed with Tracy, not having sex, don't worry, just talking about it in graphic, graphic detail. Well, yeah, and she seems to be like the one really pushing him to like, it's like, I'll do anything. Let's do like all the stuff that the other girls will not do, like that you've that been wanting scene. to yep. do. And... And I feel like that is probably, like, a thing. I'm sure that, like, a girl that's sort of, like, inexperienced and insecure, like, that's her way of sort Dating of, Dating a 42... Like... Are you saying this is uh, written from experience? Well, <laughs> I, no, I just, like, I'm not... I'm just saying that probably, like, if this is the type of girl who... The type of girl who would go out with a 42-year-old man is probably someone who's, like, very concerned about appearing mature. And, like, that's... Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's probably, like, part of it ex is expressed there of just, like, look, I'm not like the other girls, you know? I, I want to, like, do these things for you. And I'm, like, I'm not, like, a, I'm not your typical teenager. I mean, this is weird. This is... I'm not approving any of it. But it, it just... <laughs> it feels like... I feel like... This is probably, I mean, I don't know if Woody Allen was dating women that young at that point, but, like, it does seem like this is, like, a real character in a weird way. Tracy is yeah. a great character, yeah. both, aside from the 
the aims of the screenplay, right. which I would argue in many ways is, even if he wouldn't say this, in many ways, one of the aims of the screenplay is normalizing fucking 17-year-olds. Right. But, uh, and that could be very low, but that is, I think, an aim of the screenplay. Um, <laughs> despite that, I think in both performance and writing, Tracy is a great character. Yeah, I think, like, also probably, like, a less noble goal than to elevate the fucking of teenagers is probably like to show that like that you know like probably like on the most basic level of just like writing 101 of like oh she's like the actual like mature person in this relationship mm-hmm. and this dude is a mess uh yes. which is i mean she is pretty like I mean, watching this, you're like, you should not be with this man. But I mean, yes, one, because of the age gap, but two, because like you're too fucking good for him. Like you're actually like a smart girl who deserves way better than this loser guy. Yeah, it's uh, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Isaac's got it made. He's fucking this sweet 17 year old. But hey, the dude does have problems. He hates writing for this show where he has to work with a bunch of drugged up drug heads writing comedy without any truth in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, this, the scene at the SNL, uh, the quote, like fake SNL, um, is basically, you could have put that in uh, uh, an episode of Studio 60. I know. That was, wasn't that the beginning of Studio 60? <laughs> That's a, uh, it's. The big speech, it's but. It's basically, what was the, the big uh, recurring character in that show? Um, uh, uh, Peripheral Vision Man. Oh, yeah. Peripheral Vision Man. There was Dolphin Girl. Well, that was just Sarah Paulson just crushing that and dolphin I noise. Think, I believe she did a Holly Hunter. There were I, many I, Was it Holly Hunter or Juliette Lewis? Oh, I don't know. I, I thought Holly Hunter. There were also many parodies of the Pirates of Panzers. <laughs> there was one. <laughs> well, had it gone to season two? Anyway, back uh, to the children fucking. Yeah. Uh, so to- he doesn't like his job uh, and he actually quits, which he instantly regrets because he's worried about how he's going to pay for his rent and also pay child support to his ex-wife. A one Ms. Meryl Streep, who's playing the character. <laughs> Sorry. You keep sounding like you're doing like the Phantom of the Opera. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm clearly doing Rhapsody in Blue. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Um, yes. I, I, I Please, please uh, follow us on Facebook and comment and let us know if at the beginning of this episode you thought uh, Veronica was doing Rhapsody in Blue or the Phantom of the Opera music, which oh. I don't know because I'm not as much of an intellectual as Isaac. Um, <laughs> you don't uh, know Phantom of the Opera? Hey, if I said Phantom of the Opera music, more people would know what I'm talking about than if I said whatever actual piece it is. I think it's actually called Phantom of the Opera. That's the name of that song. Is that the one? Well, do, 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 do. Oh, no, not like the Andrew Lloyd Webber music. I'm talking about like, dun, 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 like the one that's like in the, like the old m- movies. Oh. Not the silent movie, obviously. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry. I don't, you, you guys know what I'm fucking talking about. Anyway, back guys, to the children fucking. Guys, comment and say if you knew oh. what John was talking about. Uh, so Isaac quits his job. Oh, so he has his ex-wife, Meryl Streep, who like a regular Ross, has left him for another woman. I know. That was such a... And it, I like that plot. Every... Uh, I like that plot, but every scene where he goes to her apartment and her uh, new... Uh, 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 her... Susan. Life partner. It's 1979. <laughs> um, uh, her new partner, Susan, opens the door and goes... Her oh, name is not Susan. Oh, oh, oh Susan's friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, every time her new girlfriend uh, opens the door and says, oh, hi, Isaac, I always go, oh, it's Tracy's parents. I'm so interested to see this scene. <laughs> and I'm always, as much as I love Meryl Streep, and as much as there's some fun things, uh, th this storyline is pretty fun. Um, uh, a, a couple of dated comments aside, um, uh, I always... God, I want to know what the deal with Tracy's parents is. Yeah, like, so she is clearly well off. Like, mm -hmm. we see her apartment building. She has a doorman. She's getting like, sent to a fancy school in London. Yeah, where, like, her parents are currently uh, to find an apartment for her. Mm -hmm. So, but she spends, like, nights at Woody Allen's place, you know? Like, sometimes sleeping over. Like, what? what is that? Well, I mean, so some of this definitely is the time. You think they were somehow more promiscuous then than they are now? Teenagers? No, I think... No, uh, parents. I guess it's not promiscuous, but, like, you know... Relaxed? Permissive? I mean, we we mentioned, like, like Roman Polanski. I, I think there was definitely a thing, like... <laughs> and rock stars of the time. Like, rock stars that you and I like and respect. There are just tons of stories about... They were famous, like, teenage groupies that they were oh, all having sex sure. with. Like no, but Bowie. from the perspective of the parents. Yeah, I mean... but... So, I think, like, there... I think there was more of a feeling in this time that, like... So, the parents were like, well, he's a comedy writer. He's not quite Robert Plant, but we will still like, let her fuck him. They are probably like, this will be good for her. <laughs> but, like, in a way where... Um, I, I... Where... Uh, <laughs> call me a prude, but if I eventually have a daughter, I'm going to be pretty anti her fucking adults. Yeah, I, I will as well. She can fuck any age-appropriate people she wants. Men, women, robots—it'll be the future. Whatever she Roombas. wants, <laughs> uh, but Roombas. not our family room. <laughs> oh yeah, keep it out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, personally, I think it's safer they do it in the house. Okay. I don't want them fucking robots you out at some what? friends party where the parents <laughs> might not be home. I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> oh, All right. So anyway, uh, and he finds out that his uh, wife is writing a tell-all book about their marriage and her leaving him for another woman who can sexually satisfy her much more and also tell the slightly embarrassing fact that he attempted to run over the girlfriend with a car <laughs> these are all stressors in isaac's life <laughs> meanwhile the relationship the affair between yale and mary is going to crap uh, dating a married guy is not working out great for Mary. Oh, no. She go back and forth. He cancels plans last minute. She gets really frustrated. And, hey, decides to call up his friend, Isaac. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, they go for a walk. They get caught in the rain and end up in an ASMR situation at the Hayden Planetarium. If you like the lobster scene in Annie Hall, uh, <laughs> uh, there's the scene where they are terrified of lightning is like that but stupider <laughs> yeah well like i think in the scene she comments on the fact of like you are the most afraid of rain person i've ever met she comments afterwards when they get into the planetarium but when they're actually running through the rain again yeah. beautifully shot central park uh black and white yeah gorgeous uh, well, I think at that point, she's mostly, like, trying to get out of the rain. Well, she's talking about, like, how many people die in Central Park through lightning a year. Well, does she say that or does he say that? I think she says it. Oh, that's weird, though. Um, uh, but, yeah, so they are sort of getting closer, but still no hanky-panky because she is his 
best friend's mistress and there are rules. Yeah, dude, bro code. Um, there's one thing There's one thing that Woody Allen movies get across. It's that the bro code is secret. Oh, uh, so I think we forgot the, Never. like, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Because Mary and Isaac meet once before at a fundraiser at MoMA. Hmm. And they end up basically uh, walking through the streets of New York until oh, sunrise, uh, leading to one of the famous shots of the movie where in Sutton Place when they're sitting overlooking the... Queensboro Bridge and it's a beautiful thing and like if you ever get to have one of those New York nights take advantage because it's magical and nice (laughs) but yeah I think like that like whole sequence really I mean it's I think like that's actually one of the I think there are attempted romance in other parts of the movie but I think like this one like because maybe it's not really trying as hard I think it's probably like the most romantic part of the movie here's the thing I've been you know, sounding very negative because I'm a negative person in general. Yeah, you're a negative Ned. I'm a real negative Ned. <laughs> um, but once, and as as much as I think Mariel Hemingway's performance is great, once Tracy's not on screen and it's just the scenes between Isaac and Mary, like you can really just, and it's just a beautiful uh, cinematography, you can really just go with it. You it's, can unclench. <laughs> it is so, no, it's, it, it, it instantly becomes so much more watchable and pleasant. And yes, these characters are pretentious beyond belief, but it's fun to listen to them talk. Right. Even though, I mean, like Woody Allen's such a parody of himself, but it's still very fun. Diane Keaton is so endearing. And again, yes, beautiful. Yeah. But so he starts to fall. So he is constantly pushing Tracy away because, like I said, 17 year olds, great for fucking, not marriage material. Yeah. And they're loud music. And they, they listen to loud music. And you they guys. take quiet drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Tracy gives him a harmonica mm-hmm. and he instead breaks up with her. Yep. And he breaks up with her. Uh, and he, it's a very, it's, he's a little mean, um, uh, <laughs> he's doing stand-up material while breaking up with her. I know. Which, guys, that's just not the way to go about it. Yeah, it genuinely seems like the character of Isaac and I guess we can extrapolate Woody Allen cannot like have like sincere moments. <laughs> which is it's a- like all which is like, you know what? I've known men like that who cannot like just like mm-hmm. be themselves. I and mean, he is a comedy writer. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it is very much like I cannot be forthright with my emotions in any way. So I'm just going to like be smart and quippy and hopefully she'll be OK with it kind of. It is a great scene, right? Unless it's it's only worse in retrospect when you think and go, "Oh, that scene's he's being mean," so that we as the audience go, "Oh no, stay with Tracy." <laughs> do you think the audience wants that? I don't think so. I, I think, think he audience... hopes they do. Really? I don't think so. I think that I think the audience and I think he wants us to root for him and Mary. I, I don't think he wants us to stick with uh, to want him to be with Tracy. Well, they have so they have a great scene. Uh, there there is my the on, the only scene with uh, Tracy in bed, um, uh, which is less disturbing is the one where they're talking about they're watching TV and they're talking about people with plastic surgery, and he starts talking about how aged like they should just age naturally, aged faces are good. 
while in bed with the child that he's having sex with. Uh, it's a great, fun, little, ironic conversation. Um, anyway, so he begins, so Yale breaks things off with Mary, and Mary and Isaac start up. Things go great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few little, a few little hitches. In one scene, um, he meets uh, Mary's uh, ex-husband, who Mary has repeatedly talked about being this great sexual dynamo. The ex-husband, of course, play, as you can imagine from that description, <laughs> is played by, in his film debut, Wallace Shawn. Yeah, Wallace Shawn. Here's my question about Vecini this scene. Vecini himself. And it comes back to... It comes back to uh, uh, my, like how I th- feel about this movie as a whole. Um, in this scene, so while Sean comes on and Woody Allen makes some jokes after he leaves, like, I thought, wow, basically, I'm not intimidated by that guy. He looks like Wallace <laughs> Shawn. Um, in that movie, are we as an audience supposed to react to the fact that they look identical? <laughs> well, I think that's sort of like the, I think that, scene is a joke and i think the joke is yeah she describes him as a sexual dynamo clearly yeah yeah and then sean uh wallace sean comes out and woody allen is like huh this is the guy he's a dweeb but then it's funny because woody allen himself is a dweeb so like it's sort of just yeah i think it's sort of like kind of like yeah, I think it's just a joke on the fact that he is, like, not belittled by this guy. He feels, like, above this guy, mm-hmm. even though he's that guy. Well, that's that's the way I would like to read that scene. That's, the same yeah. way I would like to read the end of the movie where Isaac returns to Tracy. And I'm and I would like to read it as, oh, boy, he's this fuck up is just he's never going to grow. But perhaps because my fe- and that's how I used to read a lot of this. But perhaps because my feelings about Woody Allen, the man have changed and be, and soured so greatly. I, there's a part where I, where I watch this and he's like, Oh, does he not even fucking realize that he is no better a masculine <laughs> specimen than Wallace Shawn? And in fact, they look very similar. Oh, I don't think so. I, I mean, am I just, am I being unfair to the movie? I think you're being unfair to the movie. Okay. I, yeah. I I also like I guess that's another thing of just like so okay so assuming that let's say like everything we know about Woody Allen did in fact happen like you know like no like caging like well you know it's unclear let's mm-hmm. say it's very clear we know that like the thing that people say he did in the early 90s he did do mm-hmm. like we don't know that in 79 he did anything like during that time right no. well so, he like, did he did write diary entries he has diary entries that are oh really um uh some college campus has saved them all uh, as like records you know they they for like great artists they have records of like artwork and they just keep them and preserve them for people Uh to study and recently someone did uh dig through a bunch of his old diary entries and there are long passages where he's just talking about how hot high school girls are oh god okay then i take it all back never mind (laughs) never mind my argument i I know this is one thing where i do want to get this uh, because i I feel like let's say like someone like okay so phil Spector murdered someone right 
Like, but, but that he, Christmas album still fucking great. Well, but that's the question. Like, he didn't murder someone during the time that he made, like, you know, like his wall of sound recordings. So, like, how much are we supposed to read in the murder stuff into like stuff he did twenty years ago? I think that's like a weird way of approaching it. But like, in the se- if like if there were in fact diaries of like Woody Allen saying that he wants to fuck high school girls mm. way before, then like that point is not relevant here. Yeah, I don't, so yeah, there is a lot of there are a lot of like unmade pitches for stories that are all about. All right, so in, I fuck <laughs> in an unmade television pitch. Alan describes a sixteen-year-old as quote a flashy, sexy blonde in a flaming red low-cut evening gown with a long slit up the side. A short story features a seventeen-year-old whose fifty-three-year-old neighbor falls in love with her in a lift. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, I don't like. But, that. but again, okay. That's terror. It's this is the thing. He's like, yes, I am very much not of the place that like someone who writes about a thing, it does the thing. That's obviously not the case. I have murdered so many characters and scripts and very few people in real life. Just um, a trifling. I don't think anyone accuses Victor Nabokov of wanting to fuck uh, his own Lolita. Right. Yeah. So I it, think there's like, a. It's a trend. Yeah. So I think it's more of just like. I I think the way I tend, yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I think Woody Allen is such a unique case because, like, his personality is his movies. Yeah. Like, and that is something that he himself has sort of fostered, so. In that way, he is similar to Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, for real, it's like, or, um, or Bill Cosby. These are uh, uh, artists whose work is so whose own personalities are so built into their art that it then becomes like this feels like this movie feels like that episode of the Cosby show where uh, Bill Cosby's or that stand up routine and that episode where Bill Cosby's talking about Spanish fly. (laughs) What is that? I don't think I've seen that. Um, I haven't seen the full episode, but I've listened to stand up routine. Spanish fly. It was a, a mythical thing that you could, Put in a woman's drink, and she would instantly be turned oh, on. God, and Jesus. Bill Cosby <laughs> has a stand-up routine where he's talking about um, as b- at my Bill Cosby impression, uh, as bad as my Woody Allen impression is, um, where he's talking about like you know, as teen boys, we all love the story of Spanish Fly, and we all desperately thought it wanted it to be real. And oh, can we get Spanish Fly? Can we find Spanish Fly? Blah blah blah. And of course, Spanish Fly is not real, but um. Uh, a bunch of drugs to make a woman unconscious are real. And there is also a Cosby Show episode where they find a real-life Spanish fly. And it's super weird. I think he uses it to get his son and his son's girlfriend back together. It's fucking weird. Oh, I, I, I forget the specifics. But it's the kind of thing where, oh, now this is so close to what you've been accused of that it becomes v- very hard to separate. Right, Not, exactly. It's basically impossible and seems less like art that we need to separate and more like a, you know, uh, uh, evidence, something that should go in an evidence locker. Right, exactly. So I think, like, yeah, it's kind of hard. Yeah, I mean, I said I really like the movie and I do genuinely really, really like it. But, yeah, like, if you are, like, sort of forced to think about, like, you know, what we now know about Woody Allen and sort of reconciling it with his persona. It's very difficult. It's impossible. The movie's great as a piece of filmmaking. Same with Chinatown. Chinatown is one of the greatest movies of all time. Manhattan is a great movie. 
Annie Hall is a great movie too. Hannah and her sisters are great movies. Watch those. As great as watch the opening to Manhattan and then turn it off. And I, uh, when it comes to like, uh, uh, like Michael Jackson, and for all the people sitting here, like, there are these things all these people you're mentioning are accused of are so different. And Roman Polanski's wife was stabbed, so therefore he gets to fuck teenagers. <laughs> um, it, like, for anyone I feel like, like, to be honest, Roman Polanski is the more, most clear cut of all of them because he <laughs> admitted it. Like, he admitted it. He was like, the only reason he fled is because he thought, oh, I said I did it, so no one is going to put me in jail. Which is like, so. The 70s were crazy. But anyway, Um, sorry. But like, so yes, yes, I'm putting together a bunch of people with very different different crimes, uh, uh, very different accusations, alleged crimes, some convicted, like Bill Cosby um, and Roman Plansky. He was convicted. Yes. He he fled before his sentencing. But yes, I'm compared. Basically, I'm lumping them all in less because they're the things are accused of are the same, but more because they're all accused of gross things and they all are similarly excellent artists. And like so with Michael Jackson, you cannot like uh, a lot of people like we need to just forget Michael Jackson's music, just fucking cut it out. And you can't because if you no. cut out the music of Michael Jackson, you are erasing decades. And you're basically erasing pop music for the past 40 years. But it's also like, yeah. Sorry. This this is one thought where I want to finish. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, But at the same, you can erase it. But at the same time, I think these things no longer become entertainment. Instead, just they have to become you don't watch, watch, experience them for entertainment. You experience them on an academic level as mm. like you have to kind of remove yourself and go, yes, this is great art. Beat It is a excellent pop song. One of the you know, best songs ever written. Thriller is one of the greatest albums of all time. Manhattan is one of the best movies of the 1970s. But I can no longer fully enter. T- I fully enjoy it. So I can only appreciate it as a work of art, but not through its art does that make sense yeah i think it does i thought i also think it is the fact that like these i mean i guess the allegations themselves are not fresh but our reckoning with them is Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's different like with something like chinatown we were not around when all of that was happening so to us like trying in the 1940s yeah well no i mean i meant like in 1974 we were not around there or like you know whenever he fled which i think was also the late 70s uh so like we were not around for all that discussion to happen in as much it probably did not happen in this volume but like those discussions are happening right now but Mm -hmm. like we were not there to reckon with it and to like try to fit Chinatown in whatever like compartment we feel. So to us, like I can enjoy Chinatown fine. Like as like, cause like, yes, I know that he did those bad things, but I'm like so far removed from them. Like that in terms of like, just like, I, I don't know. I feel like it is different with like a Michael Jackson or Woody Allen. Cause yes. it is like more of just like, I've become aware of these things as I was you know, happening as a human being. So, like, it's different. Or, like, you know, like, when you read about, you know, Led Zeppelin people, like, stuffing fish into their groupies' vaginas and all that yeah. stuff. Like, Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> then you're like, man, I wish I was one of them. No, but, but like, he, it's more, it's far more removed from Was that from Led you. Zeppelin or, or I thought it was Motley Crue? 
I thought it was Led Zeppelin. I thought it was in that documentary that they made about that. I mean, I'm sure Molly Crew has done shit too. Um, I didn't watch The Dirt on Netflix. So. Oh, I want to read the book The Dirt. I've heard it's so great. bad. Yeah, it's by the guy who wrote the game. So I don't know. That's like Neil what? Strauss. Yeah, <laughs> he wrote the anyway. So, uh, so yeah. So I think it is like just. I mean, yeah. I think Manhattan at this point in time could probably like not be like if you're like a human being who like uh i don't know just like is alive in the world and sort of not a sociopath mm. i don't think you can watch that movie without like even as much as you try to block it out like having like the knowledge of what you know about the creator like seep into the way that you watch it yeah i mean so the phil specter christmas album mm-hmm. is i i will play every christmas it's one of the greatest albums of all time it's so great it's so fun um, and I'm going to keep listening to that, even though, yes, Phil Spector did murder someone. Uh, I will not listen to the track at the end of the album where Phil Spector goes, Hey, I just want to thank everyone for listening to this cool album. Definitely going <laughs> to kill my wife in a little bit. Bye. Um, but so that still exists. Chinatown still works. And I think you could still enjoy Annie Hall, but there are cer- some things like, Bill Cosby's uh, Spanish fly routine, like that episode, that that they're so close that instantly, or sometimes the artist did a crime so bad that instantly there are, it becomes a historical artifact more than a piece of art. The same way, um, like the same way we look at like an Edgar Edgar Allan Poe story and it's like, oh yeah, these are really great stories. Also, you know, he uh, married his cousin. It was kind of okay then. I don't know. Or like, uh, I guess a better example is um, like H.P. Lovecraft. Like, oh, people love Lovecraft. Woo, Cthulhu. Yeah. Dude hated Jews. Hated <laughs> Jews. Hated black people. Oh, boy, was he racist. Right. Um, well, some yeah, of the, Some of these did. fishmen, probably based on uh, minorities. Right. I mean, yeah, you don't want to think about Roald Dahl being like a huge racist and he was like, he also hated children uh but yeah like <laughs> that's, so, that's just charming though but yeah i think it's sort of like uh, yeah i think we probably need to just be like be removed a lot more from but it's it's hard but, they, but, it, but it's hard it is with very this hard movie. it's very but hard with this fortunately movie. we're in the best the best section for that tracy's gone uh <laughs> isaac is now just dating mary meets wallace sean that's a one scene little fun thing um they're hanging out things are going good then however mary starts getting calls from yale turns out he kind of misses her and also they go on in my favorite scene go on a very uncomfortable double date yeah (laughs) um and this is kind of part of it's like oh yeah as just an adult relationship comedy this is great yes the two best friends are on a date with their a wife and girlfriend the one best friend used to have an affair with the girlfriend and is trying to again the other best friend knows about the affair but doesn't know about that also the wife doesn't know shit uh emily emily the wife really lets isaac off the hook there, boy, there should be a scene where she goes, hey, also, you fucking knew? Yeah, like, I feel like that's, I mean, I was gonna, so, uh, I was gonna say something that I'm not sure makes sense. It makes sense in my head. But I feel like some of these relationships in these movies are very French. I would be curious it's to- a, It's a very French kind of feel. Yeah, I would be curious, like, to, I, I, I've never really read about, or, like, 
if Woody Allen has even like talked about the inspirations for this movie. I know that he hated it and did not want it released. Really? Yeah. So he like he wanted uh, so um but uh it's just like the way that some people react to things in this movie are not ways that American characters usually react to things in the movies i feel like yeah it's also a slightly different time period yeah and i feel like maybe it is because i saw the trailer to the new like uh, oliver asayas movie Mm -hmm. that is very much like woody allen in paris (laughs) where like it's a lot of like people have mistresses and like people are cool with it and like all this uh, like but like quippy and fast talking and very intellectual i mean uh so it just like i it felt like within the movie that kind of worked. I didn't need the scene of the confrontation with Isaac, you know? No, like, I didn't either. But it, it, was it just, is like, I agree with you that it's like probably like not the way people would behave. It's just because the weird thing is that like, so Emily, so in the end, uh, uh, so uh, moving forward, eventually Mary leaves Isaac and goes back with Yale um, and Yale leaves his wife. And there is a scene where Emily and Isaac are hanging out, commiserating. They've both been left by people who left them for each other. So they're kind of in the same boat and they're commiserating, but they're really not in the same boat because Isaac knew about the affair. And that's not brought up because the conversation is actually ends up being about Emily going, hey, you should be back with that 17-year-old. Right. Boy, I used to like her. She was so sexy and not challenging to you intellectually. <laughs> and you could be weirdly paternalistic and condescending the whole time. You loved it, Isaac. Go for it. Uh, that's not what she says. She actually just says, yeah, I used to like her a lot. But yeah, um, but yeah it's... Uh, Maybe it is a different time. Maybe it, it was different... okay. Well, this is, so, I mean, we're now, we now uh, are old enough that we have um, many friends who are married. Right. Um, I'm officiating a marriage in a couple weeks. Well, guys, feel free to attend. John, do yeah, you want yeah, to everyone, the I'll see you all there. Um, <laughs> check the Facebook event. Um, uh, and I was watching this thinking, like, how would I react if a, um, if a, a friend revealed that? But, like... What was it? There was a movie recently where um, it was like The Dilemma. It was like Kevin James and, and oh, Vince and Vaughn. Oh, and Vince Vaughn with Winona Ryder. Yeah. And what what's the idea there that Kevin James finds out that Vince Vaughn's wife is having an affair? Something like that. And then he's like, yeah, I'm not sure which one of them. I think probably Vince Vaughn has the dilemma. So maybe Kevin James' wife is cheating on him. But yeah, I've never finished it. (laughs) But yeah, it was like, do I tell him or do I not? Yeah, I don't think it should, it was supposed to be very good. But even still, it's like, yeah, I feel like that's. But no, I mean, different people would have different feelings about this. Right. Um, I, oh God, I, I, depends on my relationship with the wife, uh, whether I would tell her or not. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really I think business? it depends on the relationship with both of them. I haven't really thought about this. Yeah, well, here's a here's a question I asked my boyfriend as we were watching mm-hmm. this. Let's say your friend was dating someone super young. Like I would say, yes. Would would you like would you say it in a serious way? I think everyone would make jokes. I mm-hmm. would you actually have like a conversation with them of like this is like not okay. I had a friend recently who was at the time either in his late 20s or um, he's a very nice guy. I hope he's not a listener, a listener to the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I was working on a project with this guy and um, we're like, well, we need uh, some actors who look 
who look like teenagers. Does anyone know any teenagers? It'd be better if they're real <laughs> teenagers. And one of the people working on the project revealed that he was dating an 18-year-old. Uh-huh. Much to the surprise of everyone. Um, I met her a few times because she helped out with the project. She was lovely. Um, also legal. 18. Yeah, 18. <laughs> yeah, 18. He was also way younger than 42, but definitely. I mean, I. Like, right, but did you talk to him about it? I no, don't think you were close enough to do it. But no, like, I wasn't. Let's but say, also, like, it's like she was 18. It's like it's their own business. Right. Um, Like, who am I? Who the fuck am I to say? Right. You, you can't do it. That'd be. I think very inappropriate. I don't, to me, like I, my whole thing was just like, what do they talk about? Yeah, exactly. I think that's, to be honest, like, you know, like laws aside, which I abide by, I feel like mostly it's just like, what do you have in common? Like if you're in your forties, why would you want to hang out with a 17 year old other than to make yourself feel like better and smarter, which is, I feel like probably the yeah, reason why I think did that's, it. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm really getting up on a high horse here. I mean, when I was 20, nine i for a few months dated a 23 year old um who's a lovely woman um she's very nice uh and um i, I didn't know she was 23 when when we first she asked me out <laughs> very <laughs> it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter but like i dated a woman who was six years younger than me and i at at uh, and six years if i'm 32 like it's be different now but at that age that's a a you know 23 is different and actually it ended up uh, as lovely as she was, the age difference ended up being a thing. I think we were at different phases in life. Right. Um, uh, so it's like, yeah, I just don't know what you talk about. But I think like maybe also like in the movie, like phases in life, I feel like maybe that's like another reason why I was attracted to her is that like he was not a person who wanted to commit or do anything. Mm. He just like wanted like a sort of a very like low pressure situation on the side and it's kind of like probably sort of sad that like the only person he thought that he could find that with with was a 17 year old woman yeah i mean aside, okay aside <laughs> from um the fact that all the women in his movies desperately want to fuck woody allen <laughs> woody allen does write like solid like nuanced female characters right um there's a reason why uh, actresses for decades loved working with him because he got them fucking Oscars. Right. Um, and there is a great thing where it's like, yeah, it, the, the movie does make clear is that clear two things that Isaac is not looking for a real relationship, does not take Tracy seriously, but Tracy is a real person and um, uh, and he is taking her for granted. The pro you know, the problem is when the movie at the end is like, that was just a love that like should like, yeah. Should have blossomed, and he missed his chance with that great all-time relationship. Um, well, okay, so let's. This is we're at the last scene, so let's describe it before we like talk about right. it because I feel like we keep referring yes. to it. So what ends up happening is that like, yeah, uh, Woody Allen rushes through the streets of Manhattan because mm -hmm. uh, he could not get a <clears> cab <throat> and apparently does not know that the subway exists. And he... Oh, not for not for Woody. <laughs> I is there a, people always he, talk about um, how Woody Allen movies have no black people. They, they exist. also have no subways. Yeah, I, no that's, public transit. I can't say what is crazier, but this, this <laughs> gives you an idea of the world Woody Allen lives in. Well, yeah, it's I was thinking York about without... it. Like in the late seventies, like Manhattan was a hellhole. Like, yes. uh, so anyway, but yeah, so he rushes up to her doorman building in the Upper East Side, and it is just as she is uh, packing up her uh or like 
putting her bags in the cab, or rather her doorman is, that he barges in and he's like, whoa, you're leaving? Don't go. And then I like, I really like you and I feel like we have something here. But she's like, no, I, I, you know, I have to go. But if it's true love, then like in six months, I'll come back and, um, you know, whatever. We'll resume this, I guess. And then what is her last line, which I think is the last line in the movie. So she's like, she's oh, like, you can wait six months. And she says something like, you'll be fine. Oh, you, you just, have to have a little faith in people. You have to have a little faith in people. Which is the last line. We hold on Isaac as he reacts to that. And right. he gets a little smile. What are we what do you what do you think we're supposed to take from that line? Yeah, so so I'm gonna I guess like first I'll say that like I did not read that last scene as like a very romantic scene. It almost felt like very like hopeless and sad mm. to me. Oh, he seems like, he seems pathetic. Yeah, he's like very pathetic and she's clearly like the mature person. But I feel like like her saying like, well, if it's true love in six months, like we can resume does sort of betray like her innocence and still like how young she is that she probably still does like really think that she loved him. Mm -hmm. But you know, she's like more mature about things and probably is making the right decision to leave. Uh, but yeah, like that you have to have a little faith in people doesn't really sit really with that interpretation of the scene. What's well, it's interesting because like, would you say that throughout the movie, one of Isaac's flaws or if you see read it a different way, positives is that he doesn't have faith in people? Well, I mean, I think like, yeah, I don't think that it is necessarily i feel like he definitely like has issues with his ex-wife mm -hmm. which i guess there were like some trust issues there because she did write a book about him but that doesn't seem to be like the main thrust of the movie but that's so wh what the movie feels about isaac is one of my big questions because mm -hmm. there are there is in the book um while he has a lot of jokes uh, at the expense of his ex-wife um, and she seems relatively unreasonable for writing the book but like she's not presented as like she's presented as she's it's very clear that the book is honest um mm. and he was an asshole right um there is a description of isaac that they read from the book mm -hmm. that feels like an incredibly self-aware excoriation am i using that word right oh. of of the of isaac and the woody allen character mm -hmm. and it is very self-aware in a way that um that I that I like about the movie. Mm -hmm. um, which again, it's like, so that's when I, I get confused of, but then there are scenes where I'm like, is the movie on Isaac's side? Does it, and does it think that, yeah, he should get back with Tracy? Um, or does it think that this dude fucking didn't learn anything? Does it think that she's naive for th thinking that you should have faith in people? Or does it does it mean like, oh, she's the only person, she'll be okay. Because unlike these other bumbling yuppie adults, she has some kind of like, she has some kind of positive outlook on life that'll help her not get involved in the kind of stupid bullshit they got involved in. Right. And maybe also, like, the idea that, like, she is actually, like, taking herself out of that world. Like, mm -hmm. she's leaving the world of Manhattan. She, like, she... And then, like... Yeah, she's sort of, like, removing herself from all of that. And 
world. And I don't in, know. In fiction and art, I mean, like the 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 youth, uh, the um, uh, desire for the purity of youth and holding up youth as uh, um, pure in a kind of in, in its outlook on the world. Like that's a very common trope. It just becomes a little. Um, uh, it feels a little weird in this movie when we're also lusting after youth. Right. So it's like it, there's one thing where it's like a movie to be like man, we should all be like kids and just, like, have faith in people. Also, we should be like kids and fuck them. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, that line, it kind of works in the movie. But, yeah, I feel like the more you sort of think about it and how it relates to what we have seen, I don't know that it, like, tracks as well. Well, it just seems like that's a... It is his... It seems like his problem... What would you say Isaac's problem is? Uh... I mean, I guess it's just that he's like, I don't know. I feel like he's just, it's, he seems like he's just like restless and unhappy. Mm -hmm. uh, In the so, way that all the characters are. Right. Yeah. Aside I don't think, from Tracy. Yeah. I don't think he has like sort of like a unique woe he needs to overcome. I feel like this movie is very light on sort of like, you know, there's no like character arcs necessarily or anything like that. If mm -hmm. anything, like he sort of like goes back to where he started from. Uh, this is why I should write things down because he does, when he's talking about his book, I think he's he's describing it to Emily and he says it's about a bunch of New Yorkers distracted from what really matters. Like I forget the exact language by their own problems, which is a way of describing all the adults in this movie. Right. They keep ru blowing up these relationships uh, because they're never happy and they keep moving on to something. He blows up his job. Well, that's the other thing. He blows up his job. Is are we supposed to view that as a positive or a negative? A lot of characters, like like uh, Mary, says that the show he works for is really funny. Yeah. However, Mary seems to be uh, uh, seems to be set, that is in the scene where every opinion she has is kind of depicted as wrong. Well, it's depicted as like a, like she basically has the contrasting opinion to anything that he said. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that scene depicts her as wrong. It's sort of like he's just like, it feels like in that scene to me, it almost felt like he was unused to like being contradicted mm -hmm. by like other people. Like it's it's more of just like, and if, I'm sure like we know people like that who's mm -hmm. just like in a conversation in a social situation, they would just like have like a spiel about whatever the topic is. And like if you were to ever confront them, they would be like, uh, what? Or like they do not really, they just know well, that most like, people should host podcasts. Yeah. That, that like I have an opinion about this thing that I sort of like have cultivated over mm -hmm. like many a dinner party. And like this is the first time that someone is actually like contradicting me about it. So it felt more. More of that vibe than it was of necessarily of like how dare she express something that I do not agree with uh, but that's because I feel like I like yeah I think I see this movie as sort of like I don't think Isaac is uh, I, I don't think like that movie depicts like Isaac in a positive light necessarily both yeah. Isaac and Yale are working on books that uh, there are jokes about how they'll never finish the books. Mm -hmm. Isaac does finish his book and right. gets is getting good notices for it. Uh, mm -hmm. Publishers are excited about it. Right. That's how we end off. So it's not like none of these characters can fix themselves. Or it's like... Well, it's more of just like... I think it's like he's fixing himself too late. 
like he's a guy who blows up everything and then um through the thing with mary he's like oh i need to just kind of like buckle down he finishes his book he realizes he should be with tracy gotta get that hot high school ass uh and runs over to her but oh no it's too late well and everything's failed unless he has faith and maybe it will work out well, I, I think, like, a different reading of it would be that, like, you think that he fixed himself because of that, but, like, it's way easier to, like, see you and yours and other people's flaws and, like, point them out and feel like you actually, like, fix something as opposed to actually fixing anything. Mm-hmm. And and I think that maybe, like, that scene, like, him going to Tracy is actually, like to contrast the fact that he actually has not fixed anything. Like, we think that he did because he, like, accomplished, he's acknowledged his flaws and wrote them in a book. But, like, no, he's actually not fixed anything. He's run back to be with a teenager. So, like, all the growth that we thought that he made, he actually, like, made none of it. And he's there, like, begging a teenager to take him back. Yeah, it's, and I, it, either it's that, either that's the ending, and this just pathetic loser is now desperately begging a 17 year old to take him back or tracy is the only good soul in this movie he's learned uh uh he's not gonna he's gonna stop blowing his life up and just settle down settle down and just grab onto the thing that is good but oh no he might have missed his chance Mm -hmm. however don't blow things up just wait and it might just have a little faith Right. So I did like that's the question is does the movie uh does the movie believe in the end that Isaac dating Tracy is a character flaw an example of a character flaw or is it an exa- or is it the one good thing in his life Yeah Yeah I I mean I don't yeah I don't know that like there I think the movie leaves that open for sure Yeah and I think it's at the end of the day because if this if this movie was like written by, <laughs> if this movie was written by the aforementioned Sarah Paulson, a woman <laughs> dating another woman who's many years older than her, and, yeah. and I could be very safe in my knowledge of like, oh yeah, this is written by someone who doesn't fuck teenagers, then I could be like, okay, good, great, fine. But what if this movie was written by Holland Taylor, Sarah <laughs> Paulson's much older uh, wife? Yeah, I don't know. I guess to finish this discussion, I would say it's a it's a an interesting, very good looking piece of art where yeah, like what we know about the artist definitely like complicates a lot of things mm-hmm. about it, and it's. Because like once it, when it gets going, when it's just these, you know, if if you like that kind of thing, if you are a fan of the these Woody Allen intellectuals just having fun conversations, saying dry one liners that are like um, jokes, but barely jokes, which makes them even better. Right. And then every once in a while, just a random like stand up joke will be thrown in. Right. Um, like it totally works on that level. And then also the music's excellent. Also, the cinematography yeah, is excellent. Yeah, the cinematography, like this is a movie where I can probably count on one hand the amount of scenes where it's just like 
a nor like that shot like a normal dialogue conversation of like cutting back and forth between characters there's a lot of just like people living in a space and maybe a camera like panning over and them going to the camera like a lot of like super kind of i mean very simple blocking but like just very interesting allowing you to exist in a space very unobtrusive like you're almost like looking at this I don't know, just, like, these people existing, and it's beautiful, like, just, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, like, there's so many, like, interesting, like, framings in this movie, it's, like, not really framed, so, like, some scenes are not really framed the way that, like, a standard, like, a lazy movie would be, it's just, like, it's a very good movie. <laughs> we didn't even mention just this past week, I think, or, like, the week before, there was news that Woody Allen wrote a memoir and no publishing companies will touch it. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course. But also, like, who, like, who is his dumb, I don't know, agent or whoever who's like, yeah, Woody, now's the time for us to do this. I think that was him. I think think this is a guy who's made all of his art about himself. And Mm -hmm. now suddenly his, his most recent movie is shelved. Amazon broke his contract. Right. Oh um, my God. Did you see that show? I saw no. an episode. It was so painfully bad. Oh. Like, I mean, I like, I would still like if a Woody Allen movie, like if like it's an option and I'm open mm. to see a movie, I would still watch it. But like, it's, so I tried watching this Amazon show and it was so bad. Which did you enjoy more? Uh, the Woody Allen Amazon show or the most recent half season of Rest Development? Oh, God, this is like a rock and a hard <laughs> These are both things that we loved. Yeah, uh, this is... You have literally Woody Allen posters and Arrested Development posters on your walls. I know. I have a poster, a Japanese poster for Annie Hall. It's a great poster. Uh, and yeah, I have like one of those like fake uh, record covers with the blues. Well, I still like the first three seasons oh, and I, mean, I still yeah. like Annie Hall. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's... Let's Everything talk about Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess, like, to wrap things up, uh, I, I the feel The conversation like... on Woody Allen, done. <laughs> we like... settled it. Art separated by artists. We've settled the conversation. I feel like we could just, like, either talk about this for ages or we should stop. We should stop. And I feel like... Okay, so one of the, like, the little segments we do on the retro episodes is... Ooh, this would not fly these days. <laughs> I feel like we kind of covered that. Uh, the movie. <laughs> uh, we but- know because Louis C.K. tried it a couple years ago. Uh, so, uh, John, have there been other interesting things that you watched this past weekend oh, or week that you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, I finally saw Serious Man. I watched it on a plane. Ooh, um, that's a good a, one. It uh, was a Coen Brothers uh, Blank Spot. Um, uh, really enjoyed it. Blank Spot or Blind Spot? Blind Spot. I hadn't seen it, is what I mean. <laughs> um, I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, it's great. It's on Netflix. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a very grim, very Jewish movie. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, if that those are things that you like, go for it. Um uh, I was when I, I I was at a bachelor party this past weekend for the aforementioned wedding. Ooh. I have never. I am. Uh, uh, I I am half Jewish, but look about seventy five percent Jewish. Um, 
in Las Vegas, multiple times, unprompted, people asked me if I was Jewish. Wow. And multiple times, they themselves didn't appear. I was at a nightclub, and a woman, as an opening line, for anyone who thinks only men have bad pickup lines, a woman just walked up and went, are you guys Jews? Oh, wow. Was uh, that, like, in a fun way or an accusatory way? I don't know. I also... Uh, we, we, my friend and I, we kind of left those two women pretty quickly. Um, and we also were like, oh, I'm pretty sure those were prostitutes. Oh, <laughs> and God. I don't, anyway. I like that um, that's a prostitute's pick up line. Are you Jewish? I asked because I only fuck circumstances. <laughs> uh, and then I also saw the, uh, documentary Behind the Curve, uh, which is about flat earthers and oh. is equally fascinating and infuriating. Um, uh, it makes a large argument that we should, that the science community should not mock these people um, bec- and instead should try to pers- listen to them and try to persuade them. Although the end of the movie does does seemingly, well, seemingly depict that they are unpersuadable because it ends with them doing, the, doing uh, spoilers, uh, see the movie, it's great, streaming on Netflix. Um, but yeah, I, it's, while there isn't really any mention of Trump, um, I don't think it's hard not to connect flat earth, not to think of the people mm-hmm. who believe all that fucking nonsense uh, and flat earthers. And so I go very back and forth on how I feel that those people should be treated uh, um, right. if we should uh, open our arms wide and bring them to our bosoms and try really peacefully to explain to the Nazis that they're incorrect. Um, and But that's not what uh, the Flat Earther movie is about. Uh, flat, behind the Curve, it's great. Uh, interesting. Uh, well, okay, I'm going to go in quick succession. I also saw a documentary. Hmm. Uh, I saw Apollo 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very, very good. Uh, it's about the Apollo 11 mission. It is assembled out of only archived footage from the time filmed by NASA. So, but they filmed so much so that you're really are just there, like watching the mission as it goes. And it is fascinating and just like really uplifting and just like restores your faith in humanity. That's cool. And just like engaging and exciting. You're really there, even though you know how it goes. It's just fascinating. It has footage I've never seen of just from the moon taken mm-hmm. by the astronauts. And it's amazing. If you can watch it, please do. I think it's probably going to be on CNN because I think it was produced by oh, them. Oh, cool. So that. Uh, I saw Missing Link, which is the oh, new Laika how was movie. That? It was delightful. It made me very, very happy. I'm very bummed it didn't really do well because that means they... So they, it's a Laika movie. <laughs> yeah. But I just like, I want them to keep making movies because they're so detailed. Like, just like you feel the love that goes into making those movies. And it's a funny and sweet movie. All the voice actors... Uh, led by Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis are <laughs> just adorable. The story is super cute. Um, go see that. And I also saw this Icelandic movie called Women, Woman at War, which was very good and weird. It's about this uh, woman who's a choir instructor who starts sabotaging power lines and <laughs> around Reykjavik in sort of just like, uh, protest against like global warming and climate change and globalization 
Um, and sort of it goes into very weird thing ways. It's kind of funny, but in a very dry Icelandic way that I would imagine. I have not seen many Icelandic movies. But it's, uh, it's very good. It has a very fun breakings of the fourth wall that mm. I don't necessarily want to spoil, but they're really good. And uh, yeah, it's just cool just to see, you know, landscapes you don't normally see in movies. Oh, so yeah, I would sure. recommend that too. Um, All right. What uh, what's coming out this weekend? What do we think we're going to be doing our next episode on? So I guess that's the question. For I want... any, uh, we do for anyone who is not yet figured out the format. <laughs> uh, we do a new movie one week, and then the next movie we do a past movie. So for next week we have the hustle, the dirty scoundrels. Oh, the dirty Rhymes scoundrels remake. Uh, yes, uh, with Rebel Wilson and Hathaway. Uh, Pokemon's detective. Pikachu. Oh, okay. Uh, we have something called Palms. Oh, that's uh, Diane Keaton, Manhattan star Diane Keaton. Oh. And uh, the woman from Animal Kingdom, whose name I forget. Oh, are Jackie Weaver? Jackie Weaver as aging former cheerleaders doing oh. senior citizen cheerleading or something. Whoa. I don't know. The trailer was on silent in the in a bar I was in. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And Tolkien is mm. the other nat- n- like wide release. So so we'll be seeing uh, Detective Pikachu. Unless the Avengers prevails, I guess. I, I assume. Well, we're not going to Detective- do another episode on Endgame. <laughs> no, I guess then we'll just skip a week and watch John Wick. Uh, Hopefully. Um. Yeah, I, I would. Oh, yeah, that's a good how how much how much clearly number one was Avengers in its second weekend? Oh, it made a hundred and thirty five million the second week. Wow! I, Detective Pikachu, I think maybe could do it. I mean, it might. I wonder it what it looks the... like. Pokemon people fucking love Pokemon. Pokemon go to the box office <laughs> or whatever. Um, uh, so, dear listener, I hope you enjoyed us rambling on about Woody Allen. <laughs> I'm sure if any episode made people infuriated, this would be the one. Right. Uh, yeah. I Primarily, mean... uh, my friend who I mentioned dated an 18-year-old and my ex-girlfriend who I talked about our relationship. Oh, yeah. You Make sure to tag them in oh, the absolutely. episode absolutely. description. Gotta get those listeners. Uh, all right. Dear listener, please subscribe and like. Give us those reviews. Please. And until next time. That's weird. I thought this was good.